Hi everyone, welcome to yet another podcast, Youthful Voices with Elaine Shieza. To those who are listening for the first time, welcome to Youthful Voices. And to those who have always been following this podcast, thank you and keep doing that and keep sharing. And um, today we're going to be discussing about devolution. This is a constitutional provision uh, in the Zimbabwean constitution that was um, revised in 2018. The Zimbabwean constitution under chapter 14 talks about devolution. So today our guest is Tatenda Matewa. He is a young person who is interested in governance as well as public policy issues. Tatenda, welcome and thank you for taking time to be part of this podcast with special attention on devolution. So my first question to you, Tatenda, is how do you understand the concept of devolution in the Zimbabwean context? Like to you, how do you understand the concept of devolution looking at the context of Zimbabwe? Thank you so much, Elaine, for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, greetings to the listeners. Uh, devolution is uh, not a new concept uh, that is being implemented in Zimbabwe. We have seen it uh, being implemented in several African states, uh, including Kenya. So... Um, when we talk of devolution, we are, take, we are talking of a process whereby uh, power and authority is uh, devolved to the lower tiers of the government. Uh, it's enshrined in Section 264 of the new constitution that was adopted in uh, 2013. We also see pieces of legislation such as the Rural and Urban Kansas Act uh, supporting um, decentralization and devolution. Uh, the same constitution uh, of Zimbabwe, Section 301, also make provisions for the allocation of funds to lower tiers of government and that those funds are supposed to be at least 5% of the national revenue in any financial year. So that is uh, the legal framework to devolution. However, uh, we see decentralization uh, was already there before 2018. Um, and the decentralization is a, a step just below uh, devolution or development of authority and power. So we are going to see that uh, devolution came as a result of lobbying and advocacy from political parties, uh, especially the opposition, and uh, from the citizens who were feeling that uh, some regions were marginalized, for example, in the Midlands and the Matabeleden provinces. So they wanted equity. Um, and in devolution, we see that uh, it is a process whereby government seeks to address equity. Uh, among people, uh, for example, they want to make sure that people pay taxes according to their ability to pay. Uh, let's say maybe in Manigaran province, they generate maybe uh, different revenue from those maybe in the metropolitans of Harare and Blawai. Uh, so they um, 
they make this arrangement at local level. Secondly, they want to improve service delivery. For example, in Zimbabwe, the service delivery has been going down uh, since uh, the 1990s when ISAP was uh, first implemented. So they want to correct that. They want to bring uh, the local authorities closer to the people so that they can interact and quickly solve um, issues at community level. Uh, it is also an attempt to address the excesses of a centralized executive. Um, however, on a very interesting note that has been made by several scholars, uh, devolution has been believed to be a way of managing revolts against centralized governments. So um, when you talk of devolution, you are saying give local communities the power to decide what they want to do uh, to give them the power to come up with their local budgets that addresses problems and issues are, are arising in communities they, they are. Okay, so how is the devolution budget different from the usual budget of the local authorities in terms of accountability and um, transparency? Because uh, looking at it, there's a certain uh, amount that comes from the local government that is meant to uh, be dispersed between different local authorities, be it in the urban or in the rural. So now, what is um, the difference between this budget and that one? So then, how different is it from uh, the usual budget that local authorities usually have in terms of transparency and accountability? Some of the differences between the local authority budget and the, the devolution budget is that Section 301 of the National Constitution uh, clearly states that devolution funds must be used for improve, improving infrastructure uh, of roads, education, water, and health. So it is specific from the onset. And also when the devolved funds are disbursed to the lower tiers of the government. Uh, it does not cater for the payment of salaries. Uh, so that is the difference between the usual local authority budget and the devolution budget. Moving on to the next part of the question on transparency and accountability. Uh, it is important to note that uh, the context to which uh, our local government are performing uh, is very difficult. And I'm very afraid to say I can't really give an evaluation because it is still too early uh, as the most projects are still get in funds. But what I would like to uh, address this question from is in the context in which uh, the local authorities are performing. Uh, for example, uh, according to the 2020 Transparency International Index, uh, Zimbabwe ranks number 157 out of 180. That is a very negative rating when it comes to transparency and accountability in the public sector. So I'm afraid that we uh, may see the continuous embezzlement of public funds and also, Zimbabwe has got a history of uh, poor corporate governance, uh, where they misuse public funds. 
uh, our public officials are very notorious for breaching our procurement procedures. For example, the case of Obedaya Moyo is uh, one good example where the government officials embezzle funds or inflate prices so that they benefit from government projects. Um, we also know that government is known for not completing infrastructure projects. And um, lastly, they are very notorious for not producing financial statements on time. For example, currently we are in 2022, but we are not yet privy to the findings of the 2020 uh, Auditor General's report. So those are the challenges. Secondly, the Auditor General's report is not capacitated, has no capacity to perform critical duties of uh, audit. So what does it say if a key institution uh, is enshrined in Section 298 does not have critical resources, it does it not have sufficient staff uh, to perform audits. It creates a gap whereby the public officials um, may still knowing that they won't be able to be tracked. Also, we must we know that the local authorities do not have uh, people with critical skills. For example, the local councillors uh, do not have accounting skills. So it is difficult to make meaningful contributions to the budget or to criticize the budget. So the government must work on improving those skills so that the uh, local councillors are able to have uh, basic uh, accounting skills. And also, in addition to that, uh, the whole of Zimbabwe only Harare has got an M&E office. And all these other lower tiers of governments do not have M&E offices. So it is difficult then to measure and monitor transparent and accountability because there will be no data uh, to use. So I think it is very important uh, for the government to really uh, capacitate the local authorities. We also note that uh, devolution, uh, we are still seeing the alignment of the constitution and the legislation so that they speak with the one voice. But we do not have manuals and indicators for devolution implementation uh, because this may compromise uh, the central government's capacity to monitor and evaluate lower tiers of government. So, um, when it comes to accountability and transparency, there's need to uh, really improve our 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 funds towards the raising issues. So yeah, that is where our podcast today is going to end on, and. I think you will realize that this conversation around devolution was more deeper. And looking from your community that you're coming from, I hope you're able to pick one or two things from this conversation that you can be that are useful in your community or as you are assessing the situation in your own community. And and just to make a rundown on some of the points that I managed to take from this discussion is devolution funds are meant to improve infrastructure. And in terms, we're talking about improvement in roads, in schools, in hospitals, the clinics that are there. So we're talking about that is the mandate of the 
funds that are for devolution. And it also gives communities the power to decide on what they want and what they should be, or what should be prioritized. Uh, another point is it is meant to improve on safety delivery at the local level. So we're talking about the local authorities that we're coming from or the different communities that you're coming from. Um, as well as to these funds are not meant for pay or salaries for council employees. So the funds are meant to bring development into the community. So I'm just hoping that from this you'll be able to take time and read some of the things that Tatiana was able to point out on, like to read on the Auditor's General Report, as well as to read on the Local Authorities um, uh, Act, that is there, so that you get to see what is you were talking about and get to have a better insight on the discussion. And we're going to have a continuation of the this discussion on the next podcast. So yeah, thank you for listening up to the end and do make sure that you share the podcast with your friends, your family, your colleagues and everyone who has an interest in areas of policy making as well as governance. Thank you.